0: Hello welcome to Garibaldi Red. The Premier League returns on Monday when Nottingham Forest take on Burnley at the City Ground. Before then, i no am like to be joined by former Reds player and coach Chris Cohen to discuss the season so far for his old club and a little bit about Chris's own future plans. Chris, uh, good to have you with us. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, all good. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Oh no, not a problem. I'm no, very grateful for you to to be joining us. Um, I don't know how much you've seen of Forest this season, but assuming you've seen it a fair bit, what what have you made of them thus far?
1: I think it's been a really positive start. I think if you'd have you know, the away games have obviously been, you know, really, really difficult to have free away games and um at the teams that they've had and to pick up a victory obviously away at Chelsea and then to, to win the home game against Sheffield United is just so so important. So to be on, you know, on the points that they're on already, I think everyone would be um, at the club will be will be happy with a start and now it's about building on it, especially with the home games coming up, uh, you know, Burnley's and Luton's in games that they know throughout the course of the season, if they want to improve on last year's um, like um, table finish, then, then then these are the games that they, they must win.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously you've had lots of experience in the Championship and you, you had some in the Premier League with Southampton. In terms of winning away games, especially in the Premier League, how hard is it to get over the line in those matches?
1: Yeah, most definitely. You look at the the budgets and the and and, and, and look, Forrest obviously put a lot of money in, you know, and, and, and have got a team that's that more than capable, but it's still still really, really difficult going away to these big clubs and uh, and picking up wins. So I think that I saw Steve saying something about the fact that he felt that in the Arsenal and the Man United games comparative to last year, that, that he felt the team was getting a lot closer in terms of performance and if you can do that on a consistent basis and put in good performances, then occasionally you are going to be able to to take victories at places where maybe people don't expect you to. And I think that's what what happened at Chelsea is that it was probably a um, it was kind of the the final part of three good away performances, but the first time they were able to pick up some points. But it was probably built 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 by the, the two performances and the beliefs that the Arsenal and the the Man United games gave the the players and the staff
0: the chelsea win came a day after the window closed as is typical forest style there was a flurry of activity which is probably i think would have been the same when you were playing for them um what how does that kind of recalibrate where they can aim to finish come the end of the season what what's a realistic goal for them now do you think i
1: just think growth i think i think it's it's you know they they finished last season um outside the relegation zone but for long periods, you know, it was a it was a real relegation battle. Um, I think this year they will be looking, you know, they will be, I'm sure, hoping not to be anywhere near the bottom five and looking to to get as high up the table as possible. Um, from there, really, I, I look at the league this year, and I think there's there's, I think there's probably four or five teams that you look at that that might really struggle, and I don't think you know Forest will be one of them, especially with the the, the acquisitions they made on the deadline. Day. I think it was one of the the best deadline days or last days dealings that, that's at, from the club in a, in a long, long time. Got it to lose Brennan, obviously, but brought in people that, that have got the experience to
0: replace him. Just putting your players hat on for a second. What, what's it like to be in a dressing room when there's an influx of players in a single day? Does it make you look over your shoulder? Do you take a responsibility to help bed them in? How does it all work?
1: I think yeah, it depends on your... Status of the football club, how long you've been there, what your role is within the team. So you look at the the Joe Worrells and the and the Ryan Yates of the the squad, and um, they will be expected, and and I'm sure they will know. And knowing out the characters that they are to integrate the players as quickly as possible. I think when you get players of the of the calibre of, the caliber of uh, Sangari and um, obviously Callum Hudson-Odoi, Divock Origi, when you get players like that who you, you know are going to add to the squad, I think you see as exciting. Obviously, part of the selfishness of being a footballer is, is worrying about your your own place in the team. Um, but generally, the consensus will be if, if they add to our squad, it means we're going to finish in a higher position.
0: And from a coaching point of view, how hard is it for Steve to integrate all these new players. Obviously, he did it last season with 30 and, or 22 in the first summer in double quick time. I mean, being honest, you wouldn't have fancied that challenge, would you, particularly to get that many integrated quickly?
1: No, but I expect if he, well, reflecting on it, we'll say, what a wonderful learning as a as a coach and a manager because it won't, you wouldn't imagine it's ever going to happen to him again. So, I think seven will feel like a walk in a park to him in, in, in terms of integrating a small group when he was able to do it so well last year in terms of that, that volume of people, and then and again in January, another another you know, hefty amount of players coming in and going out so and, and look, as I said to you before the the most important thing is that the players and the fans and the, and the football club will recognize that that these players, if you go on their track record and what they've done in the past, could really really push the club forward so it's, it's a lot easier if the players are coming in uh, well known and um, kind of experienced at a level or at a high level, then it's a lot easier to integrate them.
0: And because they're that good, then, can you throw multiple ones in at once? Or do you think we might see a drip feed of these new signings?
1: I think, it, yeah. I mean, I think they're very different games, aren't they? Chelsea away is a very different game to Burnley at home. So I think it's always, and I don't think Steve's ever looked like he's been frightened to make the big decisions. It's about winning the game in front of you. So, yes, of course, he'll feel an element of loyalty towards the team that, was able to go to Chelsea. But that game as a whole look probably very different to the, the way he expects the Burnley game to look in terms of where he can hurt them, where they can hurt Forrest. Um, so, so yeah, I think he'll pick the best team. And if them new players have, have fitted in quite quickly, as I said, I don't think Callum Hudson-Odoi is going to worry too much about playing in the Premier League when he's been doing it for the last five or six years. I don't think Divock winning Champions League is going to be too too worried about going into a Premier League game if given the opportunity. So it'd be really exciting. I'm going to the game actually, so it'd be a really exciting game to to go and watch and see how see how
0: it unfolds. Yeah, I'm going as well. Uh, looking forward to it. Um, just in terms of the atmosphere at the City Grounds, when you were playing, it wasn't always like it is now. To be honest, how much would you have loved to have played as it is the you know the last since Steve came in basically the last two years.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been incredible, and especially it, it went up a notch definitely when they got to the the premier league you know watching i came to some of the games obviously um last season as well when i was working but but coming home um and the atmosphere was absolutely incredible it was always good you know it's hard when you're underachieving at a football club it's i i completely understand it's hard for fans to go there and get crazy excited about i think i've said this before about a Nil-nil draw against you know a team that might have just come up from League One, so I understand. But the excitement that surrounds the game and, and and just the the volume of shirts that you see around the around the city at the moment, it's um it's been an incredible couple of years for the football club and the fans have deserved and for a long-awaited return and and deserved the experiences they've had. They just want to keep growing, and what's lovely is that they seem to have a manager that's more than capable of of taking them further and. The playing staff and a chairman that wants to back them as well. So you know, all the signs say that that it's going to be an excitement. The next couple of years should be just as exciting. But remember, it's the Premier League, and um, Burnley will come hoping it's their first win. And if you take anything lightly or anything for granted, then then it can quite quickly bite you as well. So it's it's, it's really exciting. But yeah, more points on the board as quickly as possible will uh, will probably you know help help those expectations.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say about. Neil Nil draws. My daughter's first ever game was your last ever game. I took her to that, that match to try and sell Forrest sell Forest to her. And um well, you might obviously remember the game well, but we missed the penalty and it was wasn't the greatest match. Uh but yeah, yeah, that's that's the way it goes. That's the way kids should be introduced <laughs> to my son's first game was a four nil defeat at home as well. So I probably yeah. shouldn't take him anymore. Um, well, it
1: can only, only get better, can't it, from them two experiences. So might as
0: well start him at the bottom. Exactly, exactly. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about playing the city ground, Steve Cook was on here on Monday and he said he spoken to players previously who played and they, they said it was a tough place to play in a Forestshire, you can wilt under the, the pressure. Was that something you noticed from your playing days as well then?
1: Yeah, again, I've said this before, but you don't want to play for, I, I never, it was never my aim to play for an easy football club where if you lost on a Saturday, it didn't really mean too much and you can kind of crack on and carry on with, with life as if nothing happened. There was a lot of pressure on a Saturday, again, as I said, um, a, a team that had been underachieving for I think 12, 10, 12 years when I got there and for another 10 or 12 years realistically whilst I was there in terms of not being in the Premier League, which is where a club of forest size should, should always have been. So that did, that does bring pressure, but I enjoyed that side of it. I wanted it to matter on a weekend. I wanted it to mean something. And um, yeah, lots of players did come and it didn't quite work out for them, but a lot of the time it was the type of player that maybe was looking for, you know, the the easier experience and, um, and and the club could be too big for them. But you also, the players that revelled in it and the players that enjoyed that that kind of battle and that 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 challenge um, ended up becoming. ended up. Well, look at the team that got promoted. Some of them end up becoming kind of legends of the football club because they were the ones that that took them back to the Premier League.
0: I'm mm. um, going back to the present-day crop. You mentioned Sangare earlier. Out of the new signings from the entirety of the summer, the thirteen, is he the standout one that you would have loved to have worked with?
1: I think he's, because of the I, I, I would lie, be lying if I said I've seen loads of him, but the bits that I have seen, I was I, was, I watched the PSV game in um, in the uh, pre-season as well, and the bits that you've seen of him in terms of uh, the clips and stuff, he does look like the real deal. Now, there's a lot of things that you have to take into consideration. New country that he's just come to, um, obviously the Premier League, toughest league in the world and, and a tougher league week in, week out than, than maybe the Eredivisie, but it's um if he's able to to, to to perform the way that he has been, you know, you don't get that type of interest from that amount of clubs without being without being some player. So if he can add, great. But they also have, you know, really good players in that position. Ryan Yates has done a brilliant job and rose to the level. Mangala's a good player. They've got the, the boy from Chelsea, I think, that can play. They've got lots of lots of players in there that 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 are, that are adequate replacements if he's not able to do it. But yeah, I think Out of all of them, he seems to be the one with the most hype around it. It'd be really interesting to see how he he gets on.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Is it interesting to you the kind of evolution of how much a central midfield is worth now, especially a defensive one? Obviously, they were important in your teams like, like Paul McKenna and players like that, but they weren't the most expensive players on the pitch. Suddenly, we're seeing Rice and Kaiseido go for over 100 million quid, Sangare's top end of Forest budget, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of signings like that. Is it interesting from the way the game's developing that they're so valuable, these players now?
1: Yeah, I think maybe, um, you know, there's a lot of statistics and data out there now, so you can maybe put some value, whereas before it was kind of everyone understood the value of a Paul McKenna. If you uh, watched Forest every single week or you you were in the training ground in the football club with them, um, then you, you might be able to see it. But... Maybe if you saw them occasionally, you might not recognise them and notice them too much. But but again, with the amount of scrutiny around the Premier League now and then the amount of attention each individual and in each position gets, I think is recognised that, that as, as one of um, the most important positions. Whereas before, it was always goalkeeper and centre forward, and uh, and now I definitely think that probably aligns with 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 those positions as being a, a real important position on the on the football pitch.
0: So what's the data show? Does it show they stop goals, obviously, but do they help score goals as well?
1: It can be, it can be anything from inceptions, from um, tackles one, dual percentage, obviously passing percentage and stuff that's been out for a long time, but they have like packing models, which is how many lines are broken each time they pass forward and they get metrics for that. You have your win percentage when you're on the pitch, when you play comparative to when you don't. So you look at the, the things that maybe you kind of felt before but didn't have a, a number or or, or or a value to it. And and now they have all these things. So, you know, it, it kind of it makes football clubs maybe recognize why they need to why they need to go and spend the money. Whereas before obviously a goal scorer scores lots of goals, so it's pretty clear what he's gonna bring and a and a goalkeeper will, will obviously stop the ball from going in his net. So it's pretty clear what, what they bring. Whereas a midfielder maybe could get Lost a little bit in the in the game, where it, but but as I said, now you have metrics for absolutely everything, and um and again, that Sangari will be really high on all those to 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 to, to warrant the the attention that he's been given.
0: I think one of the reasons they were so desperate to get him, and the manager spoken about, it, is it brings tactical flexibility. He doesn't have to play a back three; He can play a back four now because he's got that potentially dominant force. How important is that in the makeup of a of a whole squad now? Do you think?
1: Yeah, most definitely. I think you, you look at most of the teams, a lot of teams now, a lot of the top teams especially, are really fluid in terms of formations, in terms of playing one that's one in possession, a different one out of possession, and you need versatile players um, that, that are able to do it. You, you have to be really careful that you're not just copying, you know, trying to copy and paste what other, what other teams are doing because it kind of looks it looks attractive. There has to be some substance behind it, but if you have a player that can, can make your teams flexible and make your teams be able to play different formations or maybe different ways in different games, which I think you look at Forest and as we said earlier, they may have different styles this season because going away to a Man City, the performance might have to look at very different uh, being at home to one of the, um, the the promoted clubs, they might be able to dominate the ball more and play a little bit more like Steve did, maybe in the championship. Um, because I'm I'm sure that's where everyone wants to get to as well in terms of results are um, have been coming over the course of the last season, um, but probably not in the style that that everyone would love to watch week in week out. And as you grow, you do need to dominate the ball more, and uh, and you will dominate the ball more naturally because of the players that they've been able to bring in. So. I think having flexible players within that that can play different styles and different formations is vital to the, the growth of the football club.
0: I remember many years ago, my first job writing about football, I got on really well with the manager. It was a really, it was a really low level and the fans were on his back about, they wanted him to play a different formation, I can't remember what it was. And he said to me, uh, formations don't win matches, good players do. But now we see Guardiola reinventing the game all the time with fullbacks inverting and other teams, like you say, copying. Now Trent's doing it, et cetera, et cetera, at Liverpool. But to what extent do formations and positions matter when it comes to winning the match? How much is it down to the players that are on the pitch to get you over the line as well?
1: It'll always be down to players. Like the formations is a help, and and, and obviously, but. If Liverpool were trying to do that with a defensive-minded fullback who was really good one v one defender, but not great in possession, and they were trying to get into it sixty-yard diag's and put in Salah, clean in every time he done it, you'd turn around and say, you know, Klopp's a fool. Now, the, the the tweaks in formation are really interesting to watch. I love like learning about new ones and people not new because they've all been done before, but the way that people were trying to. Um, Try, trying to tweak formations and trying to change things to, to cause problems. But the substance always comes from the quality of the player that you have. So you also have to be very aware of that. We were very aware at different clubs where I've worked as a as a coach of the capabilities and the limitations of our teams. And what we were able to do at Luton was maximise you know the the capabilities and not put the players into positions where they were asking them to do things they weren't able to do and they we explained that to them and they agreed with it and we ended up being you know very successful doing it so it's a really dangerous um thing to, to try and copy and paste just because everyone else is doing it you have to have the the players to be able to
0: mm-hmm. Have you always been a student of the game, listening to you there? you obviously you know, take a big interest in every aspect of it? Has that always been the case from a young age?
1: I think it's probably yeah, as a, I mean it has just changed so much. you're able to see so much i I you know I didn't I can get I get sent from three different analysts now I get sent whatever games up and down the country with the tactical view every single week. so I you know, I literally text them on a Sunday, you know, all three of them asking for two three four games and they send them to my laptop and I get the perfect wide angle screen to be able to study and and, and see what what's happening and whether it's effective and um, so I think when you when I finished you know it was always about doing it to the best of my ability as a player it was probably a little bit more selfish and mm. how do I play my position to the best of my ability um, as I got a little bit older and a the captain then there was some team stuff in there but as soon as you go into the coaching stuff, you do need to know because you'll get left behind. You know, like you see the we just talk, spoke about how many teams now are playing different formations, playing asymmetrical with one side where they've got to put a wide player, and the other side they're creating a box. But like there's there's so many things going on, and if you don't know and you go in to try and coach it, you'll, you'll you know you'll be left looking foolish. So I think it's really important you try and stay as current as possible. Uh, otherwise, as I said, you you inevitably get left behind.
0: So can you watch? Like a Super Sunday game on Sky, can you watch it as an entertainment spectacle, or are you seeing pieces on a chessboard being moved around, and it's all different in your head now compared to when you were a kid?
1: No, you know what, Sky, and like it's great as a as a show, but it's the most frustrating. Obviously, now as you said, I'm used to watching it on the the wide angle where you can see everything that's going on. So you're constantly getting annoyed with the length of replays when they like hone in on the manager for like 30 seconds and then they look up and the ball's just in the middle. I, I get like anxiety thinking oh, I need to know how they got it to that point. Um, So, yeah, so I, I, I don't actually enjoy watching it on the telly anymore. But if there's any game that kind of catches the eye, as I said, I'm, I'm very, in a very lucky position where I can text a couple of people and get them sent to me and, and watch them properly. And you do watch it. Yeah, you watch it very differently now because ultimately that's been my job for the last, you know, six years now, where are watching, you know, dozens of games a, a week to to make sure that, well, to try and get a result at the end of it. You end up watching it from a very different point of view to just enjoying a good football game.
0: You've had quite a breadth of experience already in coaching then, obviously, with Forrest starting off, then Luton and then in the Premier League with Southampton. How are you feeling about, well, I'll get, I'll ask you about specifically about Southampton in a minute, but how are you feeling about where you're at in your career at the moment?
1: Yeah, I feel very lucky. Um, I just I feel like I'm just you know just just thirty six, um, and to have been a, a you know taken a twenty ones team, a, a really successful one, and work with the likes of Brennan Johnson and Alex Myton and players like that, and then and then to to work as a first team coach and then an assistant manager in the championship and the Premier League all by the time I was was thirty five. You'd have asked me at, at thirty when I retired whether. I thought that was possible. I was just hoping to complete my badges, to be honest with you. But you know, I'm very lucky with the people that have that have given me jobs and the clubs that I've worked at, and the opportunities I've been given. But I also think that, that I've deserved them because I I do you know I do try and work as hard as I did as a player um, to be the best coach I can be. And nothing really changes from the kids at Forest to um, Premier League footballers at Southampton to my little boys' under eights team. My uh, if you treat people correctly and you care about um but you also know what you're talking about i think that you'll get a lot of buy-in and I, i'm still yet to have worked with a player that i can think of that that i haven't had good buy-in from because they understand that i'm not perfect and i will make lots of mistakes but i'll do everything i possibly can to make them a make them a better footballer
0: are you coaching your boys team then or just watching
1: just take training they call me the director of football I'm not the manager i'm not the manager i have got a manager and assistant manager i just take the training session i'm the director of football is my official title so but it's been lovely but as I said uh, you know I've had the best job in the world in being a footballer and the second best job in the world in, in working in an elite sport as a coach um, but it does take a lot out of you especially the coaching stuff and a lot away from your your family and um, to have had this like six months of being there every day for my my son and my daughter and my and my wife being able to to see all the things that I've maybe missed out on has been has been a real luxury for me. So I've really enjoyed that and I'm and, and really excited about whatever comes next in the on the football front.
0: I was watching a clip the other day on my phone. I don't know if you do this like everyone does now. No, you're back, so I just lost you for a sec. I was watching a clip on my phone and I think everyone scrolls through their phone now and different videos come up. and It was Jodie and Lescott and Rio Ferdinand talking about watching their own kids and I think they're probably a bit older than yours but they were saying they don't they just watch they don't shout what are you like on the sidelines then watching your your kid play
1: oh no i'm yeah i'm a shouter. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'd say it's guidance um yeah there's there's different ways to shout though it's more more encourage i think encouragement would be the the thing i think um i think it's very important that like the kids have a really enjoyable experience um but i also think they you know they definitely need a little bit of help along the way in terms of when they're making mistakes and they don't really recognise it, trying to trying to help that and making them see where they can improve is well, it's all part of coaching, really. Yeah. Sometimes I, I try and sit back and, and not say anything, but inevitably, because probably whether it's warranted or not, I think I know what I'm talking about. I uh, end up getting yeah, getting involved. But I think shouting in a lovely way, not not the way that some parents shout at their kids on a on a on a Saturday and Sunday morning.
0: Yeah, yeah, remember it well. Um going back to South then, ostensibly from the outside it looked like a nightmare the way it panned out. How, could you take a lot from it, even though you didn't get the results you wanted it, it was a short stay?
1: Yeah, most definitely. I, th- I think um in terms of learning, I learned as much in those two months as I did in the, about football as I did in the, in the 20 years prior and definitely from our spell at Luton, I've been really fortunate. I've had a really successful time at Luton in terms of overachievement and um Kind of us against the world mentality. Not given a lot, but but doing the best with what we were given and and creating an amazing environment. And then maybe at Southampton, it was a little bit different where they were used to the Premier League. They had lots of things, lots of staff, lots they had everything you could ever wish for. Um, but ultimately, you know, an unsuccessful time there probably made me realise even more what we created at Luton and how important not just the playing side was, but the the, the 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 kind of the the way that the club was run and um the, the kind of people that work there and, and all that stuff just just made me recognise the importance of it all. And knowing that we can create that anywhere because it's actually easier because you're not asking for that. You don't need the world. You don't need 60, 70 staff and and not bad staff because we met lots of nice people at Southampton and good at what they do. But the volume that that was at the football club just made it really hard for for for, for us to find anyone that was accountable. And we always want people with us who are you know willing to put their head above the parapet and willing to say I think we should do this and if they're wrong that's not no problem as long as it comes from an educated point of view whereas it was quite easy to kind of stay out of the way it felt like at Southampton and for that many people I know at times me Nathan and and Alan felt felt very alone um which is ironic because you know as I said there was maybe a hundred staff around the training ground compared to about 15 at Luton where we we felt like we were the most um you know, welcomed people in the world.
0: Any regrets about going there then without it pandemic? Mm. No, none at all. None at all. I
1: don't, think you, I don't think you can. At the time, we felt it was the right thing to do. And, you know, there's not many managers that go from... I think Graham Potter's the only other one I can think of. I'm trying to think of managers that got... Um, a shot at the premier league from from a championship club from someone saying we think you're going to be good enough most of the time you need a promotion you need to to take a club up for people to recognize that you are good enough at that level so for us to to have that opportunity and to go for it not not at all we, we ultimately what i don't want the last bit to sound like is that we're blaming others we didn't win games of football and we know we're capable of winning games of football because we've done it for for, for the two and a half years prior at Luton um, but but we weren't able to implement our style well enough in enough games or enough big moments in games to to win games of football and if we had have done that we'd, we'd still be there now as a Premier League team so there may be you know hundreds of things that we can blame, but ultimately the responsibility was completely ours and If we'd won more games, you know we would have been all right but but we weren't able to so then you start looking for excuses but there's lots of things going on like i said and and lots of surprises the the scrutiny of the premier League most definitely the amount that the volume of you know your guys in terms of the 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 press and all that stuff kind of blew us away a bit but ultimately, it's completely down to us if if we win games then you know, the, the players should take the, the credit for that. And if we lose games, then the staff should take the, the kind of the, the repercussions. And, and that's the way it panned out.
0: One of the other questions I asked Steve Cook on Monday was about moving away from your base and going to the other end of the country. And you've done it in reverse from Nottingham to Southampton. And he was saying how he got an Airbnb and basically lived there for 18 months away from his family. When you moved down to Southampton, was it was it just you? Did you re- relocate your your kids as well?
1: Yeah, so I commuted to Luton for two and a half years from Nottingham, um, and it was yeah, it was it was, yeah, it was hard like hard work in terms of us was before missing out on lots of big moments in my my children's lives, and even when you're here, you're not you're not ultimately there because you're always thinking about the next day, being back in work and stuff. So there was there was a lot of strain on 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 you know, am I personal life um, my wife's amazing and supported me but yeah I, I felt the strain a, a lot so when I got the opportunity to go to Southampton it was literally like we have to do it it's three and a half hours away so it's uncommutable and I want them to be close to me because I want to make sure I don't miss out on on all the big things that I had the last couple of years so I was hoping thinking that I kind of chose to leave Yeovil I was at West Ham from like eight to eighteen um that mm. like Yeovil for a two years but I chose to leave completely like it was my decision I was at Forest for 14 years and then again I was at Luton and probably could have been there for as long as I wanted to be so I thought this is the time where we'll go down and I, I, we moved the day after the Forest loss and within four weeks i had been sacked so um it was yeah just just the wrong one to, to 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 kind of gamble on I suppose but as I said kids were resilient they loved it they just thought they had a, a six weeks holiday on the south coast so they 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 fondly remember it and my wife was was brilliant in terms of being okay with us moving down and doing all that and then very quickly moving back up and being being back home where we're we're very much settled
0: again it's a weird world isn't it football coaching because you're going to get the sack at some point probably or you're going to get a better job somewhere else it's not like my job i've been doing you know well, i work from home now but 10 or 15 years and um i mean wives and family like the uncredited heroes in football aren't they
1: yeah, they are most definitely. You just gotta turn it into a bit of a, a journey, I think, and make it exciting. As I said it's never my plan to it's never our plan to only be there soon. I think, you know, you look at my career and it's always about trying to, you know, really get stuck into the place that I'm in and, and, and making a real difference for a long period of time. Um, but, but it just didn't work out like that. But, you know, the kids built some resilience from it in terms of having to make new friends and going to a different school and all that stuff, joining different football teams and gymnastics groups and and all that and then they were they're really happy to to be home so no you just gotta try and see as an experience the end of the day I know exactly what you're saying about your job Matt but I know lots of my friends and lots of people are very envious of the 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 kind of experiences that I'm that I'm able to have and give my family that because of football so it's never going to be a hundred percent perfect and if that's the if that's the kind of negative, then 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 long may it continue in terms of the experiences I'm able to have for myself. But most importantly, I'm able to give, you know, the people around me.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't mind playing Forest, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's next for you then? What, I mean, you can never say for sure, but what's the general plan? What are you hoping for next?
1: Uh, just, to, yeah, just wait and see, really. I uh, Lots of going out to lots of games, um, meeting lots of people, been in to watch teams train and done all the, all the stuff to to keep myself current, like I said, but yeah, just to seeing what's next. Uh, me and Nathan have still got a, a really good relationship in terms of there was nothing, you know, there was nothing, We we almost got closer when we uh, when we were, were losing games at, at Southampton, and um, so there's there's definitely opportunities there if it's right for him and and right for me, and uh, you know, there's other stuff that possibly could happen as well. But probably just open to anything really, but really enjoying watching football without any bias like watching games just to see just to continue my learning and um, try and understand the game better than ever and be ready for for whatever comes next but yeah as I said lovely time with my family and know that I do need to uh, get another job at some point so I think my wife's ready for me to to get out and start working again so yeah I, I need to start looking a bit harder probably.
0: Um, I mean, given you're 36, you're still very young. Is the next job still as a coach or an assistant, or are you thinking a number one job at some point?
1: No, definitely as a coach and an assistant. Um, I think two young children. As, as much as I missed out, I am able to. At times, I was able to to miss certain bits and be able to get to to things that were all really important. I think it consumes you. Consumes you as a coach. It consumes you as a an assistant, but from everyone that's told me um that's been in that position there is nothing like the feeling of being the manager of a football club and I can imagine without how hundred percent I am at, at everything that I do that it would it would go you know through the roof of ours to be a manager so i'm I'm really excited to do that one day but I want to watch my my kids grow up first and uh, and make sure they're happy and and doing the things that they love um without needing me every day and uh, and when that happens then then maybe that that situation changes. But at the moment, definitely, I'm 36 and in and no rush whatsoever to to, to, to be... You know, I'd never say never to anything. If something came up and it was the right thing to do, then maybe. But at the moment, no. I love coaching. I love being on the grass. I love making players better or trying to help them fulfil their potential. Um, and I think that's where my skill set is at the moment. And and that's what I'm interested in doing next.
0: Um, It's interesting you say about it, it's all consuming being a manager, and rightly so. Nathan Jones got so much stick at Southampton. He became a bit of a figure of derision for those couple of months. Now we see it with Harry Maguire as well, getting so much abuse and pundits. It's funny how they've gone from criticising him to defending him now, saying it's all too much when they were the ones piling it on. But anyway, that's a different story. Do you feel for them on a human level that, you know, your mate Nathan was getting so much stick? That must be tough to see.
1: Yeah, I do, because, you, you, you know... You know what it's like now with clickbait and and all that stuff. It is. I understand that also that the press have a job to do and they need people to read their stories, but you just want it to be fair. I think that's the biggest thing. I look at the Harry Maguire situation now, and it's not fair. Like the 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 guy has been an England stalwart who's been like inches away from bringing home the first European trophy and or, or or World Cup. Like literally, been as close as we've been for. 50-odd years since, you know, the World Cup where we, that we won. Um, and just because he's had a bit of a tough time at Man United, it, you know, it really affects people. That's the thing. I just I just don't think it's fair. If it was fair and he'd done loads of stuff wrong and, you know, whatever, and I could, I could see it. But it's the same with Nath, like a 45-minute interview where you may understand you'd really see where he's coming from because he's open and he's honest and he wears his heart on his sleeve. Um, and 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 then they take the, the 30 second bit that makes him sound, maybe it can put him in a negative light. And that's the only thing you see. And then in the next breath, the same people moan that, you know, managers come out and don't say anything after games. Well, <laughs> it's no surprise, is it? Because the best thing to do is just to avoid rather than, you know, you know rather than be open and express how you're feeling and what's happening. If you do that, you you're going to make mistakes. So now Nath will have to, you know, in his in the next job, it will have to be more of a closed book. And is that better for fans? Is that more exciting for press for their story? It's not. But if he's going to be ridiculed un unfairly, then 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 that's the only really choice that he's got, isn't it? So, yeah, I just think everyone wants to be treated fairly. We didn't feel like we were down there. But as I said, if we'd have won games, we could have changed that. That that you know the rhetoric around what how people perceived us but we didn't win enough games to do so so it was uh it was another another thing that just added to the pressure each week that that maybe
0: didn't help um just lastly then before we go finishing on forest you gave so much blood sweat and tears to try and get them to where they are and now they are and they're signing these elite players how excited are you for the future of the football club even though you're not a a part of it anymore
1: Ah, oh, just it's just great. I said to Steve when, when Luton came to when Forest came to Luton and 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 actually lost um, at the Kenny on, in in the championship when they were were trying to chase Bournemouth down. I, I said to Steve and the managers off after. I said I've I've never seen the city like it in terms of the the excitement around you know going to the games again in terms of what's happening and what's being built there. And I said if if we can continue that and they obviously went on to then it just makes the city a better place to live and I know it sounds stupid because I know it's football and it's only football but the joy that Steve and the players have been able to bring a whole city along with now Notts county doing a lot better and getting promoted and Mansfield doing well you've got like this great football in the city that 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 where where teams are teams are competing and doing well and it's lovely and it's you know it's only three years ago everything was so doom and gloom or four years ago bottom of, or not even that two and a half years ago when bottom of the league and all the all the stuff that surrounded the football club, and then Notts County and the conference, and Mansfield missing out again, and all that stuff. And now you look at the whole city, and it's lovely seeing it being so vibrant. And sports are an amazing way to bring people t- together. And I think he's Steve's been able to do that at Forest like no manager in the last you know 30, 40 years.
0: Yeah, certainly. Absolutely. Um, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much to everyone who watched along. Do like and subscribe uh, uh, as ever. And we're back on Tuesday after the Burnley Games. It's a Monday match. So uh, don't expect a podcast on Monday. Uh, Chris, thank you very much for joining us.
1: No problem at all.
0: Uh we Thanks shall No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, we shall see everyone in a few days. Enjoy the Burnley game. Don't expect a thrashing. Like, I think fans get carried away. I think we're going to batter them. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a tight one, I think. So yeah, have a good few days and we shall see everyone soon.